Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dads Podcast. As Warrior Dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Hey guys, thanks for tuning back in for another episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. Today is going to be a solo episode. Uh, I wanted to share with you, it's actually been three weeks yesterday, uh, yesterday uh, that I got injured in jiu-jitsu. So I wanted to share with you guys a little bit about what happened and how it's affected me and the very important lesson actually that it's taught me and how it's actually gotten me to I guess uh, have a really profound experience around um, slowing down or being forced to slow down and basically what that what that has meant so um, I got hurt like I said uh, yesterday was three weeks to the day of having my knee getting my knee dislocated in jujitsu so it was kind of one of these uh, freak things. I, I had somebody's leg in not such a great position for them. And he's a pretty big, strong guy. Pulled his leg out real quick or tried to move his leg out of the way. But I had my hook in. And for anybody that doesn't know what a hook is, it's basically you have your foot either around or underneath of the other person's leg. Um and your foot is pointed up so your toes are pointed up so there's that L instead of pointing your toes straight which would make you know it a lot easier to uh, have your legs slip off or around somebody so it's kinda I guess hard to <laughs> explain over a podcast but anyway I had my foot angled back so my leg essentially was locked in with his leg and when he pulled his leg back it pulled mine around so all of a sudden my heel started coming towards my butt but then it was going out away from my body my heel and my foot were going out and away from my body and of course it happened very very quickly um, it was an explosive movement because it was an attempt to try to get out of the position I had him in and then all of a sudden I felt something pop and never had any kind of injury to the knee before so I didn't really know what it was it just my pain went from a, a zero to about a, a nine instantly. Um, my leg 
stayed in a bent position and I just kind of went down to my side and with both hands grabbed my kneecap to kind of stabilize it. Again, I didn't really know what had happened. Of course, you think knee problems, you think ACL tear, MCL tear, meniscus. That's kind of what, you know, where my mind went. So when I heard a pop, I had said that to my instructor and because uh, he came over right away because the guy I was rolling with, he asked me if I was okay. I said no. And he could see, and you know, I was in a lot of pain, so he called the instructor over, and they're just, you know, trying to help me out and see what's going on and how can they best help. So I asked for some ice, and so I got some ice on it right away. Um, and it, the pain probably only lasted about, I don't know, it, it felt like 10 minutes, but I don't think it was that long because of what time I wound up getting home, and we didn't leave that much later than we typically do. Um, so that happened and I was still able to get home because I, I still had to drive home and uh, where we train the adults train on the third floor and my son trains down on the second floor so he came up and he realized what happened so he's trying to help me and he's you know just I got one of the the best sons I could possibly ask for and he's just amazing so he's helping me walk down the steps and basically it was gi night so I had taken my gi belt and not made a tourniquet because I wasn't trying to cut off blood supply, but I used, uh, I guess like a loop knot or, or whatever you know, kind of it is. I, I, I halved my belt, wrapped the loop around, put the put the ends through the loop, cinched it nice and tight on the top, uh, bottom of the thigh, and then I wrapped it around the back and underneath of the kneecap so it can help stabilize the knee. And I was able to put a little bit of weight on it, but of course I was hobbling. So I'm hobbling down three flights of steps, have to get in the truck and then drive 20 minutes home. And it actually wasn't too bad driving, putting pressure on it. But I know I need, I knew I needed to leave my, you know, my instructor and the owner. They were really trying to make sure I was okay, which I really appreciated. But I knew that the adrenaline was going to wear off soon, and that my leg was probably going to stiffen up on me. And I needed to get the hell out of there so I could get home before all that happened, because I didn't want to, you know, put me or my son in danger while driving, because it's my right leg, unfortunately. So, uh, or I guess fortunately, because I'm left-handed. Um, but, you know, you need your right leg to drive no matter what, you know, dominant side you are. So anyway, that happened. And I went to the doctor the next, uh, sorry, woke up that morning. And um, I had clients still. The next day, Thursday morning. So that happened on a Wednesday. Had clients on a Thursday morning and still had to get up at like, you know, 5.40 in the morning. That was really fun getting dressed and just hobbling around and getting down the steps. I don't have any crutches in the house. So luckily one of my clients were actually, was actually able to lend me a pair uh, slightly later on that morning. Um, so I drove to his house and picked up a pair of crutches. So that was really great that he let me borrow them. And then I was finally able to get to see the doctor the next day. So, you know, fast forward, you don't have to go through every single detail. Fast forward, basically the the census was after the x-ray and the MRI that I didn't have a tear in the ACL or the MCL, which was great. They didn't say anything about the meniscus. Um they didn't see a fracture, but when they drained my knee, I had to have 110 cc's of blood drawn out of my knee because it was so swollen. 
and the doctor was able to see little fat particles floating at the top of the blood and he said that that would have only been from the marrow from bone so the bone had to have cracked but they weren't able to see it on the x-ray and there was no pieces that had actually chipped off so that process is going to take about eight weeks uh, my physical therapist said from the time of injury so I got about another five weeks uh, from yesterday until the bone fully heals but it's not on a weight-bearing part of the femur I'm assuming because I'm, I'm not really living with any pain it's just still slightly swollen and you know just getting my range of motion back a lot of tightness especially in the calf but definitely in the thigh too so I started physical therapy last week and it's actually going pretty good but you know and I'm still able to do certain things so I was I was actually able to do squats uh, earlier this week actually um, trying to get all the way down to a full squat though because I'm typically able to just go all the way to the ground I mean not you know with weights I can do it too but I'm just talking about a body weight squat just go right all the way down to the ground and I do that to help stretch out my calves stretch out um, my thighs my hips I try to open up my hips while I'm in that position and then I actually do some twisting motions kind of keep my spine and um, my back loose so I really want to get back to being able to do that but my knees still too restricted so through all this time you know I'm going I'm, I'm walking through parking like nothing's really changed else else in my life my routine my routine still the same obviously I'm not able to work out like I used to before I'm not able to go to jujitsu even to do any light rolling my therapist said that he wants me to wait at least that eight week mark before I'm even back and then we'll see how I'm doing with lateral movements back and forth but I was at therapy on Monday and which was earlier this week and uh I was doing pretty good with a lot of the balance stuff that they gave me they were having me on the the, the stability discs so they're basically just blown up you know balls of air essentially not not a full ball but you know they're flat on the top that you stand on and it's for balance training and I was had one under each foot and they're having me do a half squat and throw a medicine ball at a rebounder which is a angled trampoline essentially and you catch the medicine ball and come back and I was banging them out no problem standing on one foot doing the same thing no problem with a, a foam pad underneath my foot because I have pretty good balance and uh, I mean I can stand on a Swiss ball when I'm a hundred percent which took me about a year to build up to. I started from kneeling on a Swiss ball, doing exercises, overhead presses, deadlifts, things like that, uh, using different cable cable machine exercises while you're kneeling on the ball because it works a ton of your proprioception in the body, really ramps up your nervous system, and of course helps with core function and stability and balance. And then after doing that for quite a while, uh, I was able to stand on the ball and so you know then you do squats on the ball squat presses on the ball something like that I mean it's not not necessarily for show because I don't really care you know about the uh, hey look at me type factor but it's just taking it to the next level of the balance and the stability and the core function and all that so you know eventually I'd like to be able to get back to that so standing on a BOSU ball is good for me right now and I can't put pressure on the knee otherwise I would try kneeling on the ball um, but I don't want to push it too fast too soon, which kind of brings me to the reason I wanted to do this podcast is because nothing else besides my workout routine and some of the activities, like I said, jujitsu have really changed. I'm still in the kitchen a lot cooking. Uh, I still drop my son off at school, but when I'm walking, that's when I really notice the difference getting 
you know, from one end of the kitchen to the next, getting from one, getting from my truck to the store. Uh, I was just at Home Depot earlier today. I can't just zip across the parking lot. And the big lesson that it's taught me is just, it's, it's allowed me to see how much I was rushing around before. And, you know, sometimes it's good to have that urgency, but I found that no matter where I was going, now I have to give myself a little extra time, which is actually a good thing. But I thought to myself, wow, I never realized how much I was in a rush before all the time and what that was doing to me mentally and, and, and even physically too. Not breaking my body down physically because I had to walk faster from A to B, but mentally feeling like I'm in a rush. So feeling anxious and not to the point of having anxiety, but just feeling like, oh my gosh, I got to get here. I got to get here. I got to get in and out really, really quick. Whereas now I can't do that. I physically can't do that. So I have to take my time walking. And I just thought, wow, that's really, really eye-opening for me. And I always talk about not missing the lesson. If I'm talking to some of my clients and we're talking about, a, a you know, there's a coaching opportunity around something that they say uh, during one of our sessions, I'll tell them to not miss the lesson. And what I mean by that is that I feel like the universe and, and just life in general is always trying to teach us lessons. And, they're try- and it's trying to get us to be better. But it's up to us to actually listen to the lessons, right? It's kind of like going to school where you have the teacher and they're constantly trying to teach you a lesson. You show up to school, you sit down in the desk and, you know, there's there's going to be a lesson that day. Whether you get the lesson or not, that's really kind of on you, right? You can goof off, you can be distracted, um, you can just not pay attention, you can not show up to class. But that doesn't really help you learn, doesn't really help you grow, doesn't really help you become better. So I think the life lessons that the universe throws at us are really worth listening to. And if we miss the lesson, then that opportunity was kind of just wasted, you know, because now either you're never going to have that lesson again, or maybe it's going to have to be um, a bigger wake up call if it's especially a lesson that you might need to learn, right? So if back to the school analogy is if the teacher, you know, if I, <laughs> this actually probably was me knowing how I was in school, but, you know, the teacher might say, uh, Jim, you know, pay attention, right? And she might have a certain tone to her. But then if I don't do it and I don't, and I'm still ignoring the lesson, then maybe he or she, their their voice raises up and they say, Jim, pay attention right so now it's you know I guess people could take that as like well now I'm more embarrassed because the teacher is yelling at me more or now it's now I feel like I'm being yelled at and maybe maybe they say all right now you have to come back for detention later on you know it just it keeps escalating and sometimes life does that too whereas if we don't learn the lesson one way maybe the uh, circumstances or the lesson becomes more extreme so what other injury would I have to sustain after being back to 100%? Like if that's a lesson I'm supposed to learn is to slow down a little bit. One of the reasons this happened to you is so that you can take a step back and slow down a bit. 
And you know, I've actually felt pretty good otherwise too, because typically when we do jujitsu, it's from six o'clock to seven o'clock at night, Mondays and Wednesdays. Sometimes we go on Saturdays, uh, which is Saturday mornings, but typically it's Monday and Wednesday night. Well, typically I don't do that much kind, you know, that kind of activity at that level of exertion during the week, any other time besides jujitsu. And I hadn't for a number of years, because if I work out, it's always going to be in the morning or late morning. So, um, it does affect your sleep a little bit, you know, where you're, cause you're ramping up your cortisol levels. You're def you're definitely changing a little bit of your hormone structure around. And then all of a sudden you're having to get to bed, but now your cortisols are levels up, your melatonin levels down. And, um, it's not the same type of sleep as if you just had a, a naturally higher level of melatonin at the optimal time around 10 o'clock at night. So it's definitely helped me feel, um, a little bit more well-rested as well, which is nice. But I think the lesson of slowing down a little bit is really imperative for me to learn and not feeling rushed all the time. And maybe it's just as easy as giving myself those extra few minutes and not kind of winding down to the clock. So it doesn't have to be this grand lesson. Um, but maybe that's a lesson that my body really needs to learn. And one of the ways it had to happen was through having this injury. But my point was from before is if you don't learn the lesson now and life wants to try to teach you the lesson again, how's it going to force you to slow down again? And again, maybe it's even in a more extreme way or an exaggerated way that you're really not going to like. And, and instead of being out of commission for me for eight weeks, maybe I'd be out of commission for three months because, you know, luckily for me, I didn't have any tears of any of the tendons or ligaments, which that would have been a lot longer. They actually originally thought that there was a piece of cartilage that chipped off the bone. And they said that they were going to have to do surgery to go in and get that piece of cartilage out before it calcifies and damages the actual fresh cartilage the, that you have left. But after a second opinion of a radiologist, uh, I do not have to get that surgery because they think that it was just some fatty tissue that they saw in and around uh, the knee. So that was really good news for me that I didn't have to get surgery um, because then the recovery would have been longer. And then um, I was really good news that I didn't have any ACL damage. And the doctor was actually so surprised. He, he actually asked me if I took aspirin every single day. And I said, I don't take anything. I did actually wind up taking some ibuprofen uh, uh, that night that the injury happened and then like I think the next day um, but otherwise I don't really even take Tylenol, Ibuprofen, anything and, and the reason he had asked me that was because my knee had swelled up so much and because of how much he had to drain he couldn't believe that he had take 110 cc's out of my knee and I didn't know if that was a lot or a little or average or whatever and he said it was it was a lot so um he said when he, when he originally saw me, he could have swore that I was going to have multiple tears and, and at least one fracture uh, because of how much blood was in there. But after the MRI came back, he was blown away. So I don't know. I said to him, maybe it was because I was rolling for about 57 minutes at the time. I think there was only two or three minutes uh, left of class. So my blood was pumping pretty good through my veins and 
my heart rate my heart rate was up there so maybe that has something to do with it I don't know and he didn't I, I it suggested that to him but he didn't really seem to uh, have an answer for it so who knows but I just wanted to you know how they say a wise man learns from his mistakes but a wiser man learns from others mistakes uh, I thought that that would be valuable for today's episode because maybe this is an opportunity for anybody who's listening to look at your life and see if you ever feel like you're rushing around or you feel like you're darting through the parking lot to get in as fast as you can and if you are in a rush you just think of to yourself as why and sometimes we onload too many things into our schedule and we actually learn to need to learn to say no to certain things so we don't take on too much um, we have a very big problem in today's society whereas if we're sitting down or we're not doing something all the time that there is the stigma of being unproductive there's a stigma of being lazy and I think people have to consider the quality of their work instead of the quantity and we also have to take responsibility for how much we onboard into our schedule um, because if we're taking on too much that we can handle and then we're not getting it done then it becomes a self-worth conversation which really isn't fair to you because the reality is, is that you probably shouldn't have taken on that much it's almost like a college student who takes on 24 credits and works full-time and they're not getting good grades and they think that they're stupid or they think that they're not good enough or they're not performing well at their job because they're not getting enough sleep or whatever the case is and it's not really necessarily fair because you can't just load yourself up with that kind of schedule and expect to dominate it and excel in every single area so and that's an extreme example but the thing is is that if we're taking on too many things throughout our day which is forcing us to go here and there and here and there and um, and rush through the day then you almost sit down at the end of the day and you're just trying to decompress for a few hours before you get to bed and then you hit it hit it hard again the next day well when does it stop because you're developing habits too and you're being constantly stimulated so you know it's like with kids in school they say a very common thing is for kids to cram and one of the reasons that it's so common for kids to cram whether it's for a project or a test or something like that is because when they're cramming there's pressure and with that pressure there's adrenaline released into the body and you'll hear a lot of people say if you actually talk about it and I've talked about it with clients many times is that and it's not just school related issues it's just really anything is that they get they get addicted to that feeling of that it's the, it's exciting almost in somewhat of a stressful way but it's still exciting because it's stimulating because they're getting that adrenaline drip in the body and you have to look and say all right well you know and and some people swear that they're super productive while they are and and you probably are actually because you're really focused on the task at hand because you know you have a deadline and you have that adrenaline going through your body but at the same time you could be a little slightly uh, addicted to that adrenaline release and so that's why it becomes a habitual habit to cram and now so every time you have a project or a test or a deadline for work or something like that 
people just say, well, I just work really well under pressure. And that might be so, but at the same time is that you're also addicted to the adrenaline. So you have to look at other reasons why other things are happening. I'm trying to actually remember why I even brought that particular piece of it up. Um, and, and maybe it'll come back to me. But the whole message that I really wanted to share with you guys today, which I don't think is, you know, taken too long to get across, and I don't want to make this episode too long, is that, because uh, I actually have to get to my physical therapy appointment pretty soon, is that slow down. Where do you have an opportunity in your life to actually slow down? Where can you see that you're rushing through the day or that you're missing out on certain things? Um, you know, sometimes we just don't even stop to, you know, look around. I actually had a client this morning and it was six, six uh, thirty in the morning and I had a client and it was a really, really, really beautiful sunrise starting to happen over the trees. Of course, you couldn't see the sun, but the, the sky was bright pink and a little bit of blue thrown in there with some purple and it just looked really, really cool. And it was a really big section of the sky actually where we were facing. And I got to the parking lot early and just, you know, sitting in the parking lot waiting for her. And she gets out of the car and we say hi. And I said, it's beautiful, beautiful sky, isn't it? And she turns around and says, oh, I didn't even notice it. You know, and so sometimes just little things like that where you can just notice and appreciate things because you're not so in a rush. And she was like, she got there, you know, directly on time. And then we still had to, you know, walk up the ramp and go through the doors. Um, but typically she is rushing in the morning and she'll tell me that typically she's rushing in the morning and trying to get to our appointment. And, you know, how, how would it be if you just gave yourself an extra five minutes or an extra 10 minutes and maybe you wouldn't feel so rushed and you would just have a more sense of calmness in your body. So that's one of the things that my injury has showed to me and has taught me and that I would like to carry on even after I'm better is that just give yourself, because I've had to give myself an extra couple minutes in the morning, dropping my son off at school, going to pick him up, because just walking to the truck, walking to the school, I know that's going to take an extra even one minute, uh, two minutes, something like that. But I have a more sense of calmness about me, and that's really one of the things that hit me. It wasn't just you know counting my steps and how long it takes me to get to and from the door. The thing that really made me realize this was how I felt. And I didn't have that rushed feeling anymore. And I'm able to walk and look around and notice things. Whereas before I might just be darting across the parking lot or darting into the door. Um, but again, this has forced me to slow down. And I thought that that was a really cool lesson. And I'm actually glad that I paid attention to it. And I actually just started thinking about it last week. So, you know, I'm saying don't miss the lesson. Well, it took two weeks for me to really pay attention to it because the first couple of weeks I was actually frustrated with it. I was like, man, this sucks. You know, I, I, I gotta, it takes forever to get here. It takes forever to go here. So you could be frustrated about your situation or you can step back and look at the bigger picture. And where's the lesson that I can learn in this moment? Because I feel like everything does happen for a reason. And for me, maybe it was just a matter of slowing down, taking a step back and, um, and and doing things a little little slower and a little not so uh, close to the wire as you could say so anyway that's my that's my episode for you today that was my message for you today if that helps anybody um if that helps one person then it's worth 
um, the last 26 minutes. So I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, stay tuned for the next uh, episode. I got a lot of good ideas lined up with episodes. I got a lot of feelers out there for upcoming guests that I'm really excited about. I'm still looking for Gordon Ramsay to come on the show. Uh, if you follow me on Instagram or anything like that, I do post pictures of food here and there. Uh, I don't post as much on Instagram as probably I should. Um, because I just try to, it's not like the first thing that pops in my mind. Oh my gosh, I got to document this and throw it up online. But I do really love cooking. So if anybody that listens to the show can put me in touch with Gordon Ramsay, I will greatly, greatly appreciate you. So even an even an introduction would be most helpful. So I have a lot of great ideas of guests that I want to bring on. And I guess I just want to apologize for not having one out every single week, religiously still moving into our new house and getting situated and, um, you know, the, the, my, my business has changed a little bit. So it's just uh, there's a lot going on, but I still love doing these uh, episodes and putting the information out there. I love all the feedback that everybody's given me um, about the episode. So I really appreciate you guys listening and I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a warrior dad.